have no idea. I got good news and bad news. Um, the, the bad news is that video is ridiculous. Or no, no, that's the good, I'm not sure. Which one. The, one of the, they're all the same news. We're gonna, we have a lot more of those is what I'm trying to say. So every week we'll be able to revisit the previous week. So we got your backs. You're like, oh, now I can go eat cheeseburgers instead of go to church. And because now you got the minute flannel graph video um, on, on there. And so um, let, let me just walk you through it. If, you, if you've not been here before, if you have, it's a good reminder. Um, we, we make a really big deal about this thing. And, and, and the reason being, I'm, I'm talking about the Bible. This is just a nice paperback one. It's the same ones we give away. So if you don't have a Bible, I'd love for you, love for you to, to grab one. And the reason we make a, a, a gigantic deal about this is because, um, for most of us, specifically the leadership in this church, I'm talking about your elders in this church, which is such a weird term because Jared's our oldest elder and the most mature, and he's 32. Um, and so, um, but anyway, um, with, with that being said, like our, our staff, the reason that, that we make a big deal about this is because for most of our life at times, while we all had some experience in church, we didn't make a big deal about it. In fact, some of us, I'm talking about my self here, um, was a staff member at a church for a while and doing my own thing and still not making a very big deal of this and realizing that um, apart from Christ, that's, that's actually what it says in the Gospel of John, apart from Christ, I, I really can do nothing and I'm worth nothing. So this isn't, um, the reason I'm offering you these words is because this, this New Testament, this back part here, um, I, I stood the course of time for the last 2,000 years. And then Jesus, in, you know, 2,000 years ago, quotes in this book in the New Testament, and he quotes and references a lot of the scripture in the Old Testament and refers to a lot of the scripture in the Old Testament. And we're talking about thousands more years. And so this book has stood the test of time, and we, we believe it to be God's word to us. Um, we believe to, it to be an errant meaning. I don't believe there's errors in here. You can call me, you can call me a fanatical, you can, or a fanatic. You can call me crazy. You can call me a cult leader. I, um, I tell you, as I put this thing into place, as I, as I do this, it makes a lot more sense in the way that I typically have done things in my life. So I'm not telling you this because I'm trying to brainwash you. I'm telling you this because anything good in my life, including my family, has all been a result of me trusting in, in this book and who it points to in, in Jesus. And so we make a big deal about it. And uh, for the last year, we were going through the Gospel of John, which is just one of the biographies of Jesus' life, just the story of Jesus, like from, from little baby Jesus, uh, like from his lineage, all the way to his death and his resurrection. And it just made sense to us that we continue on that journey. So we just picked up in the book of Acts, which is, in my opinion, just like the gospel sequel. What I mean by that is Luke wrote a gospel called the Gospel of Luke. And then he wrote a kind of a follow-up letter or a sequel saying, now here's the Acts of the Apostles. Here's what actually the Apostles did because of their interaction with Jesus, because of uh, the things that he called them to do. And as they heard his word and they read his word and they responded to his word, there's some crazy things that happened. And so we've just been journeying through that book. And the book begins in Acts chapter 1 with it's Jesus on, on, on the planet for 40 more days after he's already died 
and came back to life. And I'm not talking about just the Bible capturing that. I'm talking about the works of, of Josephus. I'm talking about other first century writings that capture the story of Jesus going into a tomb and capture the story of people not being able to figure out what happened to Jesus in the tomb and capture the story of these apostles who are now writing about their, their, their time with Jesus. And so it starts with Jesus um, and his disciples hanging out together. And, about, and then it goes to Jesus going to be with the Father and then uh, 11 becoming 12 disciples. They pick the 12th one. They actually draw straws for the 12th ones. They didn't know exactly what to do in the deal. And so they, they go from 12 then to 120 and then to 120 to 3,000 and then this moment where they're just begging God to respond. It's this day of Pentecost. The Spirit lands in the place and people are using different languages but all understanding the same language. And it's a, a crazy day and people are looking like, oh my goodness, these folks are drunk is what they're saying. They're like, and Peter responds, no, 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 it's like 9.30 in the morning. Now, if it was like 2, I know some of these guys probably get the case. 9.30, not quite time yet. This is just the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, and so 3,000, and then they continue to grow and grow and grow, and they continue to see crazy things like lame people stand up and walk. Like Peter literally walks past someone and says, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk, and he walks. And these religious leaders are so disgusted by it, and they, they keep throwing these guys in the jail and keep beating them up and keep making false claims about them and rumors. And so there's just like this, this whole progression of these folks trusting Jesus. It's not like their life got easier. They didn't get a Lamborghini or a new house out of the deal. In fact, if anything, their life got a little bit more difficult. But their, their eyes were open and they were seeing some incredible things. And, and so that's the journey. And we see in this, this group of people come together and hold everything in common. And we saw last week that it says that Peter talks about us being witnesses of Jesus. And he says this statement, which just overwhelms me. And this is what he says. He says... Um, he says, and the Holy Spirit is available or is witnesses the Holy Spirit to those who obey. In other words, as we hear God's word and we do what it says, there's something much more powerful for us that lands in our lives and leads us. The idea is that we should hear from God, which is, God, what would you like for me to do? And then we should do what he says. Unfortunately, what he calls us to do is beyond our power. So we need the spirit to be able to make that happen. The last thing I challenged you with last week is I said, God's word is... I mean, God's will is God's word. And we said, let's just journey through some time together. And so we've been walking through Proverbs right now. Every day we're on a different Proverbs. Today's the 28th of the month. So we're on Proverbs 28. And so we just had different people on our staff and leaders in our church just kind of making these short videos and just walking you through that. And that's at 600seconds.com. And so we've been walking through that deal. And today we find ourselves in Acts chapter 6. And let me tell you what's going on. Um, and in fact, no, let me just read it to you. I think that'd be better. It's going to be Acts 6. It's going to be up here on the screen. And we'll just walk through it together as a family. And here's what it says. Now in the days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So here's what's going on. Um, so basically at this point, you've got, you got 12 leaders of a church of five, six, ten thousand at this point. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty messy deal. I mean, you're talking about a lot of people and very few leaders. And there are basically two different, like, um, sections or sects, S-E-C-T-S, of groups of people. There are the, the Hebrew folks, okay? These are the people who grew up in the Jewish faith and tradition, like they were straight Orthodox Jews. I mean, they, they followed the right rules. They didn't eat 
pork. You know, they, they did all the right stuff. No shellfish. I mean, they, they had the good beards. You know what I'm talking about? Like the really good, like the, the, the good beards. They had the beards. They wore the hats. I mean, they, they, they followed the rules really well. And what happened is, is that as they continued to follow the rules, they realized that the rules were empty. And then they discovered that, wow, this isn't about a rule. This isn't about me trying to achieve some kind of perfection so God will be happy with me. It's actually about Jesus coming and meeting me so that he could connect with me. It's not about me doing the right things so I can get back to God. It's about God doing all the right things and to get back to me. And so they discovered this. And so for the, these Hebrew guys who had done the whole religious thing, they basically said, you know, this is an easy transition. Okay, we'll still try to honor God with the law, but now we know and have Jesus, right? So they start following Jesus. Well, there's another group of people. They're called the Hellenists. Uh, if you have a King James Bible, they're, they're, it says Grecians, okay? These are folks who, while they were kind of like... Um, they were Hebrew mutts, okay? They were like Jewish mutts. They were like, they were mixed breeds. They had some religious, like, pedigree, but they had a lot of influence from Greek culture, which basically means it was God and the law plus a bunch of other things, a bunch of, like, really outrageous rituals and a lot of different things that just made no sense specifically to the Hebrews. So it's like, hey, let's mix our religion with our culture, and they made some nice, pretty, you know, philanthropic approach to the deal, which, I mean, we, we see today in our culture. In fact, I mean, as you see this, it, it, it wouldn't be much different than where we are. You have um, some people who grew up in church, right? Like my, my great, 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 great grandfather was a pastor. And so like, it's just always been in my blood down the line. My family went to church. We weren't better than you guys. We just were better at pretending than you guys. And that's just the honest truth of the deal. So, you know, like we had, we had the line of knowing how to, to obey and do those things, right? And then some of you, like this is the first church you've ever been to. You're like, I didn't understand. I, mean, I went once when I was little to VBS and they talked about like drinking blood. And I'm like, I ain't no vampire. And you never went back, you know? And so that was like the end of it for you. And, um, and so you're kind of confused about that. And you're like, I don't understand all this religious stuff. Well, imagine the same thing. And it happens all the time, right? This is actually how it happens here in our church. It'd be like, so-and-so got sick and nobody visited them. And then this statement will come up. And it happens all the time. I'm telling you, I just grew up in the church culture. So it's like, you know what? If I was Betty, you know, I know Betty's husband, Jim. Jim gives a lot of money. And if I was Betty, if I were at the hospital, they would have come. Because or if you know, if I was if I was Sue, because you know Sue's great grandmother was you know Mildred, and Mildred was like one of the charter members of this church. And if I was sick, they, the pastor would have come. But nope, I'm not. I'm just a regular nobody, right? I mean, like that's kind of the feel of like we feel like no, I've never really been connected to the church. I never gave a lot of money to the church. I didn't know. I don't know the books of the Bible in order. So I'm just not quite as cared for in the deal, and that's still the pressure that you see from the outside. Well, this is what's going on. The Hebrews have a lot of like women whose husbands had died, and so someone's responsible for taking care of them. And, and these other guys, the Hellenists, who kind of came in and say, hey, we want to follow Jesus too. We're getting pretty upset, because it's like, you're taking care of their moms and their grandmothers and their great-grandmothers, but you're not taking care of ours. And so the apostles, like you understand, they got a lot of other stuff going on, have to have this committee meeting and think, what do we do about this? Like, how do, how do we take care of these people? Because look, I mean, I'm looking at my calendar. I got a, I got a nine o'clock, you know, Bible appointment. I got a 10 o'clock prayer. And you know, we're pastors. We're supposed to pray for seven hours every day. And so, like, they're like, well, how do we do all this preaching and teaching and prayer and still, like, they just felt overwhelmed. And so this is what they come up with. And this is, so that's what they're saying, that we don't know what to do. They're being neglected. So verse two, it says this. 
And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Look, we can't serve tables. We can't do all those things. But it's not right that we give up what God's called us to. It's not right that we give up our calling. But we understand this is important. And so, <clears throat> verse 3, it says this. I think. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, um, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. So basically this guy says, hey, look, we've got to make something happen. So let's find some people within our organization who can do some of those things so we can continue to chase after what God's called us to. But at the same time, we can continue to make sure people are cared for. And to be honest with you, I, I, I so get this. And this, is where, this has been my journey, right? Like uh, five years ago, I felt like the God was very clear to Julie and I that we were supposed to start a church or people who didn't do church. Start a church that made it simple for people to connect to God. To start a church that people who wore jeans or shorts or didn't part their hair or didn't have any ties or didn't want to wear ties anymore or, or didn't want to do the meet and greet every Sunday or whatever it is for you. Like we wanted to create an environment that made it really simple, just kind of removed all those obstacles. And no, along the way, I became... Um, pretty dictatorial about it. Like, no, 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 I don't really care. That's fine. You're in the hospital. I understand that. Get better, you know? I mean, I used to say this statement. I'm actually really embarrassed by it. I used to say, I, I, don't, I don't go to hospitals. I don't have time. Like, I'm, I'm, like I somehow was more special than the hospitals. And I'd say, look, here's the deal. I mean, some of you have heard this. And I, say, I actually am saying this not because I'm trying to be funny, but I need to repent of it. Say, look, if you see me in the hospital, you're probably dying. Because that's the only way I'm going to the hospital. So... If I'm there, you should be like, uh-oh, I, this is my last day to live. You know, so I'm like, so I don't want to cause that tension for you because if I visit you now, then you're going to think you're going to die. And you're like, I just had a bunion on my toe. And I'm like, no, you don't. Man, it, was, it was abscessed. You know, abscessed bunion. And it shot all the way up to your ears and your, or whatever. Um, and so but that was kind of the pressure. It's like, well, man. But we knew that, you know, even in this year, we're like, we want to be a family. So how do we do those things? And so this is what those guys kind of said. Hey, okay, we're going to devote ourselves to this. But how do we... Uh, how do we fulfill the rest of it? And this is how it continues in verse 5. It says this. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, uh, and Philip, and uh, s- several names that I can't pronounce, and Nicholas, <laughs> and proselyte uh, prosel- of Antioch. So basically, they grab these six guys and they say, look, here's what we know. We know you love Jesus. We know that you love Jesus, right? Like we know that. And we want you to chase after Jesus and we need some real help. And so like as it said in the Old Testament, or even in the New Testament, it says the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Hey, hey, we need a lot of people in this deal. Like we need a lot of people. And, um, and so basically the invitation was, look, we need you to jump in and serve and care for people well. And so they identify these six guys. And uh, let me just be real honest with you. This is, I was going to kind of walk through this real fast, tell you about Stephen. He dies. He gets lots of rocks thrown in. We're going to get there. Like they peg him with rocks till he dies. I'm going to say, you should love Jesus enough to die for him or whatever. And that was going to be the end. We were going to pray and then we're going to sing some songs. But something happened to me yesterday. Like, I mean, really happened to my soul. Like, in a, in a way that I didn't expect it to. Like, I, I, I'm being 100% honest with you. Like, I, 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 we're part of an organization called Missionary Church USA. And every, every year, once a year, they have this denominational conference. And it irritates me. And it shouldn't, because I get to go see lots of people. Our, our organization that helped start this church, that we've got to help start other churches, um, 
I, I, I couldn't give you a demographic of it. In fact, um, in our organization, just in Atlanta, the, of, the, of the 13 churches, um, there are four Brazilian churches, three Haitian churches, two Puerto Rican churches, one Bhutanese church. I mean, so uh, there is a one Liberian church. I mean, so like our, our organization that we're a part of, which I love because it feels a lot like heaven. Like that's what I can imagine look like. If you're thinking there's going to be just a lot of white people in heaven, you're going to be real shocked when you get there, just so you know. Um, and so like I, I love that about it. But to be honest with you, I'm a very impatient person. And so the, the, the conference is very disorganized. And so 50 or 60 people will be there. And none of us speak the same language, right? None of us. And so when everybody gives reports, you, the, like one person will speak in you know, Portuguese. And like I was singing, open the eyes of my heart in Portuguese. And I, and I, I think that, <laughs> I'm pretty certain that's what I was thinking. I may have been saying something else, but I was trying real hard, you know. And I look over at Paul, and Paul's like right next to me all worshiping. And I'm like, you're such a worship pastor. You know, just, and I'm like, I, I'm fumbling through these words. Like, how am I supposed to close my eyes and lift my hands when I have no idea what I'm saying, right? Like, they may be saying, you know, scratch my back in my belly. You know, I don't have a clue. So <laughs> I don't think that's what they're saying for the record. Um, but so it, it just is confusing to me. And then people would get up and they would speak and then they, someone else would translate it. And I was just like, this is going to last forever. Like, imagine if every, like, imagine this service. Okay, last week, I understand I was 50 minutes. I'll, I'll try to be better this week. No promises there. But imagine if I had 50 minutes, but then I had to have someone translate in Espanol, um, uh, right next to me, right? Imagine if someone was translating Spanish right next to me. So I'd have to say something. And then I'd have to say something else. I'm just joking. See what I mean? Like even that, that's how yesterday morning was for a long time, right? And then some lady got up and her husband's from Liberia. She's from America. And she's like, she was sharing with us about this other lady she had met that she just felt like really the Lord was supposed to bring and share this thing. And I'm I'm just going to be real, I'm not judgmental. Oh yeah, judgmental, prejudice even. By meaning that I was prejudging that there was a lady that came up who uh, looked distinctly African. Like what I mean African, I'm not talking about African American. I'm talking about look like from Kenya, you know, like we spent some time there. Ugandan, Uganda or, or, or somewhere um, and, um, and so she came up and she was about to speak and I just thought we were going to go through she was going to talk in Swahili I really did terrible right and then there's going to be someone who translates so I'm just kind of thinking oh my goodness this is going to last wow and they kind of prefaced it by saying hey she's going to talk about caring for some kids uh, specifically kids sold into sex slavery and I'm like okay yeah I hear about it I, I'm, I'm concerned but at the same time I just didn't have the patience for it. I'm just dead serious. Like I, I, I just wanted to be done with it. I was like, okay, what's really awesome about our denomination is because there's so many different ethnicities. Every time we go to different churches, um, they, they serve like, like their, their culture's food. So yesterday we had Puerto Rican food. It was incredible. Last year we had Brazilian food. We had it at our church once. I guess we had hamburgers. <laughs> I don't even know. I, you know what we had? I think we had Chick-fil-A. I kid you not. <laughs> so funny. We don't really cook, but have some Christian chicken, you know? <laughs> God bless you. Oh, no, no, no. It's our pleasure. Really, no, no, it's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. No, no, really. It is. It's ours. Except on Sundays. <laughs> All right? I'm just, whoa, whoa. Okay. And so, you know, I was excited. I was ready to eat. And then she got up, and she just held a microphone in front of me for a while. And I'm like, like I'm t- uh, to me, it seemed like about two minutes. It may have been 10 seconds, but she just sat there and stared at it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. 
This lady has no idea what she's doing. Like, this is what I'm, t- I'm, I'm dead serious here. Like, I'm embarrassed to do this, but that's actually what I thought. This lady has no idea what she's doing. Like, and I was worried because, um, I don't know, just, can I just be real honest with y'all? Y'all okay with it? Okay. Um, right before that or right after that, one of the two, there was a mime there. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm stuck in a box mime, right? Well, there was a mime performing, Okay. To Ray Bolt's watch the lamb. <laughs> That's actually some of our staff laughing at us still. And the reason, Jared's laughing, just so you know. And Bonnie is laughing too because he has the video of it. And so there's a mime performing this really spiritual deal. I kid you not. Like it probably would have been incredibly moving if I wasn't looking over and at the audience. And right beside me as I'm looking over, here I am trying to watch this deal of a mime performing. It was a sad mime. You know what I'm saying? Like... A mime, white face, the tears, the whole deal. I mean, a little overwhelming. And not probably as overwhelming as like a clown, but close, right? And so I'm there and I'm watching this. And I'm looking over and I look right next to me and there's Paul. And he's like this right here with his phone. <laughs> I kid you not. Filming the whole thing. He also texted it to his wife. Right beside Paul was Drew, right? And Drew has his phone and he's texting. And then I kid you not, Jared is down on the end. He has an iPad out. <laughs> And he's filming both Paul and Drew filming. And when the big parts got, he swooped back in to get the big moments. And then he finishes with a shot of his bare thigh. I kid you not. I have no idea why. But that was, so that was happening. And so like, that's kind of what I was thinking about this whole deal. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, how am I going to make it through this whole deal? I want to really chase after Jesus. But our hearts are just not very perfect or even close in this deal. And so this lady's standing up and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be another one of those awkward moments, right? And she begins to speak with the most incredible voice I've ever heard. Like I, 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 I felt like I, I don't listen to it a lot. My wife listens to a lot like NPR and I just felt like I was listening to a lady on NPR who was incredibly eloquent, who began sharing the story of a 10-year-old girl who she saw a picture of, and it was an Atlanta Journal-Constitution article about it, and it, that was titled The Selling of Atlanta's Children. And it was a 10-year-old girl in an orange jumpsuit, prison jumpsuit, with her hands cuffed and her legs shackled, standing before a judge because she was selling herself as a prostitute. There was no mom There was no dad. There was no family. There was her and a public defender. And she was being arraigned. And this lady talked about how much it broke her heart that a 10-year-old, and then she looked over, and there's these two little precious 10-year-olds sitting on the front row. She's like, about y'all's age, how old are y'all? And they're like, we're 10. And just walked through the story of how often those things happen. And my heart was just crushed. As I'm sitting in this, this church building that I've kind of already picked apart, like, oh, why would they paint it that color? Oh, look at, like, I mean, just, just felt dirty, right? And I'm just listening, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Here we are talking about all this church stuff and, you know, how to boost your numbers. Not that that was the conversation at all, but this is what they all feel like. There's always that conversation, well, how many of y'all running? And I'm like, well, Drew, <laughs> if that's what you're talking about, because he's always running some circle. That's true. We got one running, you know. They're like, how many people in your church? Well, there's like eight or nine. There's a lot of runners. I don't understand it. I offend them every week, but um, whatever it is, I mean, they all run. But no, 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 like, how many people, like, attend your church? And I'm like, I don't know, you know, like, 
that's just those conferences. I just feel dirty, like the whole deal. And there she was, just talking about his kids. And I was listening, and it felt a lot like what we're reading here, right? Like, God, like, you've called us to make it simple for people to connect to God. You've called me, Lord, to, I don't know why, I don't feel adequate, but you've called me to, to use this book every week and proclaim your good news and help people understand how good and loving and gracious you are. Like, you've, you've called me to that, but God, like, I just think about my little Amelia, and I think about someone looking at her wrong or touching her, and there is just this brokenness that comes over the idea of someone hurting my son or daughter and God, and yet there are millions, millions of people in this world that are your sons and your daughters who just have nobody fighting for them. And so like I was just, this, I just felt icky in terms of this tension of, okay, God, I know we're supposed to do something, but no, 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 and then it went in my head, but God, there's no way. There's no way we can cover it all. There's no way, like God, like I'm already busy. I already work 50, 60 hours a week and I already am not home enough. And God, I, I just, there's just no way. And I'm coming up with all these things. And I just feel this, this nasty tension of, but God, like this really matters. This matters more than whether or not the purple chairs and the kids space are all in a perfect line. It matters more than whether or not our screens look good or if there's any wrinkles in the top of them, right? I mean, like this really matters. And here we are in this deal and I'm just walking through it and I'm just feeling this, this dirtiness, right? Like this, this messiness. And I just felt like, man, like, it's like these guys looking and saying, there are people literally starving. Like we have widows whose husbands died and they're starving, but you're just standing up reading the Bible and you're like, well, I'm sorry, I can't help them. Well, how can you not help them? And so they start recruiting people. And just hear me, this is the, the end. I mean, this is the rest of the spiel for the next 10 minutes. The objective in this deal is to convince you that you're supposed to be a part of an army that takes care of people. That's the only goal I have here. Like I'm done with it and I'm going to work through it and I believe God's word is going to lead us there. But that's the only goal I have. The only goal I have is you're still on this planet to do some good. And if we're just being honest, there's something in us that knows we're made to do something more than we are. You know, like I want to do, like I really do. I want to do something like Martin Luther did 500 years ago or 600 years ago where he could have, did eventually take his life. Like I want to do something like MLK did that literally said, you know what? I don't care if you send me to jail because I would rather do something that fights for the good of God's people than just sit back and hope a bunch of people come to some auditorium and laugh at a couple of jokes and we sing a couple of songs and like, wow, they had a haze machine. You know, like, not that I'm against those things, not that we're going away from it, but like, don't you just really want to be a part of something that changes the world? And so here they are, they're saying, God, we don't really know because we know that it's your spirit that empowers people, but some of these people are never going to hear your word because they're going to die before they get a chance to. God, some of these people are going to be so tarnished by people who say they follow you that they're going to be abused and molested, that they're never going to hear your words. I heard it yesterday. The lady said, seven years, That's, that's it. For someone who enters into slavery, someone who, who becomes a prostitute and has a pimp, right? Seven years. I'm talking about a 10-year-old who doesn't make it to 18. Either they die through the abuse, they die through suicide, or they die through drug overdose. Seven years. So it's like, God, man, I'd love for him to come in the middle of this deal, but Lord, there's just a part of me that wonders if they'll ever get a chance if we don't stand up and fight for him. I just feel like that was what the apostles are about. I'm like, okay, God, we get this. I get this. Like, I get this. But there are ears that will never hear it because we didn't fight for them. 
And Stephen was one of these guys they picked and they did that. And let me just catch you up to speed. And here's what happens to Stephen. I just want to share it with you. I want to get to the end of this. I really like, not because I want to wrap it up, but I don't, it's important we get somewhere. And so what happens is Stephen starts doing some incredible things. I don't know what it is. I don't know if he starts laying hands on food and it starts multiplying. All I know is the religious folks who didn't like that he was changing the world got really sick of it. And they're like, no, 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 we don't, that's not the way we do it. We have rules. You need to walk through the red tape and you need to become part of our organization and you need to pay your dues. You need to do all those things before you even jump in. You, you're, you don't even follow Jesus. You're supposed to follow the law, remember? And so they, they basically start making these rumors up about Stephen. Right? They say that he, he was telling people that the church was stupid and that Moses was a liar and all these different things. And so Stephen, while experiencing the most incredible parts of his life, while experiencing all those things, literally is captured and brought to arrest and saying, We're, Stephen, you're going to die. You're going to die because you're a blasphemer. And he's like, whoa, whoa, the only thing I've ever done has been obedient to Jesus. And they give Stephen his moment in court to defend himself. And Stephen says this, this is Acts 7, and this is like verse, 40 through four, or verse 1 through 47. And he basically says, look, man, you're saying that I've been, I've been disrespectful to Israelites or, or Jews. Well, let me just walk you through it. He said, your father, my father, Abraham. Abraham was a guy who God called according to his purpose. said, go to a land, I'll show you. And Abraham did it. He obeyed. And God promised him a kid. Yeah, he didn't get him until he was like 182 or whatever it is. But he had a kid and his name was Isaac. And there's this moment where he took Isaac up to an altar and says, okay, God, you tell me to kill him. And he's about to kill him. And God says, no, no, I'll provide a lamb for you instead of a ram. And, and so there's something else to be to offered. And so there was Abraham. And Abraham had Isaac. And he, this is Stephen's talk, not mine. This is in the Bible, Acts 7. Incredible story of all the Old Testament is kind of, kind of summed up in a few verses. And he says, Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. You know all these guys. You're God of Jacob. That's what you call Israel, right? He had the 12 sons. One of them had the coat of many colors. That's Joseph. Joseph comes in the deal. The, the brothers don't like Joseph. The other 11 don't like him. Benjamin was kind of indifferent, but he was little. So the other 10 kind of kick him out. And he goes into slavery. And then he goes through this whole nasty journey. But at the end of the journey, as he continues to obey God, as he continues to do the right thing, over and over again. He ends up as Pharaoh's number two of his army. He becomes the number two in charge, like the vice president of Egypt. And so he basically saves all the Israelites. They all come over. Jacob's whole family is birthed and cared for right out there in Egypt. And so Egypt becomes an incredible place for God's people. And he says, but then they forget. They become sinners again and they go back into slavery. They go back into bondage. The whole journey for them, which is the whole journey for us. God, that sounds really good. Thank you for saving us. Dear Jesus, if you'll just come through for me today, I will never ever do that again. Do we pray the same prayer tomorrow? Dear Jesus, if you just come, if you just will make my wife never find out about that, I will never do that thing again. Dear Jesus, if you will just make my mama never find out about that. And that was the story of these Israelites, right? And so they go through this journey. He's saying, and then Joseph, and he said, then there's a guy named Moses who's born. And Moses kind of comes up and says, let my people go. And the Pharaoh and their parted waters. Then they get the law and they all are freed. I mean, like just walking through the whole thing. And then he says, then there was David, a guy after God's own heart, who chased after God. And David said, God, can we just build a place that honors you? And it says, but David didn't get to build a place. And in verse 47, it said, but his son, Solomon, did. And Solomon built this temple. And they thought, finally, finally, we worked so hard. We got our building. We built our church, right? Hey, guys, we're here. We arrived. I mean, there's 14 acres here, 900 feet of 
creek frontage, 400 foot of road frontage. We got some gravel. We got an upstairs. We got our own kids' space, right? We made it, right? This is Stephen's whole big deal of, man, you think, hey, you religious folk, you've worked so hard on these things that you've made it look so pretty. You got it all figured out. You knew you thought God was there. And he said, let me just tell you something. This is verse 48. I just want you to hear it. Acts chapter 7, verse 48. Yet the Most High does not dwell in the house as made by hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne. And the earth is my footstool. This is God speaking through a prophet. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you've now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. So he's saying, hey, you religious folks, you got the law and God kept coming through for you. And you even killed those folks who spoke on behalf of the one who was coming. And I'm talking about Jesus. And one of my biggest fears for my own soul for your soul is that we'd get so caught up in doing church that we'd forget to follow Jesus. That we'd get so caught up in coming to this place and walking through the journey of getting up every Sunday morning and going through the, the system of putting our money in the offering plate, emptying our sin bucket and going back to the same exact thing and yet our soul is dying. This guy's saying, you, you keep showing up at this building thinking that's where I am. And for some of you, this actually makes sense because you're like, I came because my wife wanted me to or because my mom wanted me to. But to be honest with you, I think this is, all, this is real stupid. I think it's stupid that you think you got to come into some building, whether it has a steeple or not, and sit in some room as you think God's in there. Really, like the God that you talk about so big who spoke to earth in existence, you think is kept in a little building? No, no, our building's big. It seats 300 people, Right? You mean the God of the universe needs to be in a building that's in people? Like, you get it. So a lot of you are like, man, my mama told me that I could find God at church. But if that's the God that I find is contained in the building, I'm not really interested in. But if that's how I find God, then there must not be any other way to find God, right? And there's people all over the world like, well, I can't get to a church. I can't get there. There's no way. And so they just, there's just this assumption that they'll never find God or God must not even be, either be real or accessible. So he said, you stiff-necked people. Like, how are you missing it? Like, God is not in a building. God wants to dwell inside you and give you his spirit so you literally can go and do something. So the talk was going to be, man, you know what I want you to do? I want you to be so bold that you, that you die for your beliefs, right? Doesn't that sound like somewhat, I mean, creepy and scary, but inspiring? Like, don't we love the people who stand up at the last minute, you know, like, and say they're Spartacus, or you can take away whatever it is, paint your face half and wear a kilt and say, but you can't take away my freedom. You know, you like, don't you just want that, right? Like, that's kind of, like, we, we, we think that's admirable. So I was like, man, maybe I can just talk about, like, some thing that we should, some causes worth dying for. But then I thought, Stephen didn't die because there's a cause worth dying for. Here's the difference. I want you to hear this. Stephen died. 
because he chased after a cause worth living for. Dying's easy. Dying for my family? It's a lot easier than living for them. I mean, jumping in front of a car and saving my wife one time, that's a lot easier than doing the right thing every time she's not around. You see the difference is Stephen was so passionate about caring for people and the spirit was so alive in him. He just didn't care anymore because he found the calls worth living for. And as I was listening to that yesterday, I'm thinking, I'd go to jail for that. I would go to jail for the rest of my life to fight for some little kid who couldn't fight for themselves. All of a sudden, like, I was like, I was ready. You know, I'm like, oh, like, that's what I want. Like, I want to be that guy. I want to be a guy who says, Holy Spirit, you've called me to go fight for people. And I'm going to fight for people because it's worth doing and it's worth living that life. And if death happens, that becomes the easy part of the deal. Would you see this? This is what happens for Stephen here. This is where it continues. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. So here he is, about to die, and he looks up and he's like, oh, yeah. You know, living, that was the hard part. I see where I'm going now, right? And this is what it says. He says, and he said, behold, I see the heavens open, the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. Saul, it's kind of interesting that we see the kind of the, the foreshadowing of a man who's going to chase after God in the future. But here's, here's why I think this matters. Call me crazy, but I actually think that you are supposed to chase after a cause worth living for. Maybe this slavery thing isn't what it is for you. Or maybe it's... But for me, I just hear it and I'm like, you know, there, there's, some, there's some things that our church is really, really convicted of. Drew has this unbelievable heart for orphans and adoption. And Paul, you know, who's our worship leader, has this heart for worship, but also is adopted. Like literally his parents went to the Philippines to bring him home, to prepare him for what God had prepared for him. And so, and then you have... Jared, who is so passionate about recovery and addiction, for those of us who are just stuck in the middle of our mess. And for me, like, I just, man, I just want to see folks see the Bible and have an education that they understand that, man, this makes sense. Like, when I view God through this, it makes sense. And all of a sudden, we were talking on the way home yesterday, and we're like, this is where it all collides for us. I mean, yes, we want people to be cared for. Yes, everybody. But there are 12 and 10 and 9 and 15-year-olds who don't have moms and dads and aren't being fought for. And here's what I want to say to you. I'm not going to because we walked through it. I was going to tell you this. And this is, this is, this is hard, okay? Last night, probably 50 kids within 10 miles of this church were molested. Some of them were paid for. Some of them, a parent or step-parent, got completely trashed and doesn't even remember it. 
Some of them had a mom or dad who wanted a fix on drugs and so took their kid to their dealer and let them be molested for some drugs. Some kids didn't even know that they were being taken advantage of because they were filmed and someone behind the computer screen looked at them. To be honest with you, some people in this room are the ones looking. It's a real messy world we live in. And I wanted to walk you through that. And this is what I wanted to say to you. I want to say, to be honest with you, I don't think most of you give a intern an expletive there about it. That's what I really, I mean, I'm dead serious. And then I wanted to say this. That was, that was the second part. And the third part of this, most of you are more concerned that I use that expletive in the second part of this than you are about the kids being molested. That's what I wanted to say. Like, that's really, that was the only message I had. And we debated through it. And I'm like, guys, I'm, 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 guess where I'm going tomorrow. And I know that's dangerous. And I know people will leave and be angry. But we got to realize there's a lot bigger deal than about cleaning up our vocabulary when there are little ones getting taken advantage of or people will never get the chance to hear the gospel because they're being abused and mistreated. But so many of us are so caught up in our religion of our building that we're more concerned about the pastor dropping the F-bomb or whatever word it is than we are about something actually happening in our community. And to be honest with you, I just don't want to be a part of that. So I actually have no idea. I was telling Julie this last night. I'm like, the idea of someone being taken advantage of who can't fight for themselves when, they, when God has given people his power to fight on their behalf and us not doing anything just makes me sick. And I'm like, Julie, I don't even know what to do. And one of the things that Lisa Williams, who, who spoke yesterday, said, she said, did you know that um, a kid can be rented or bought in about 30 seconds to three minutes online from anywhere in the world. I thought, that's such a messy world. And I'm like, where are they? How do we find them, right? And Julie said, well, why don't we just start renting them? Why don't we go online ourselves, pay the price, and when we go to them, pick them up and say, we will fight for you the rest of your life. You're not in harm's way anymore. And I'm like, but Julie, Julie, do you understand? Like, these folks have people who will kill you. Like, do you understand? Cops might not believe you in this deal. And it's... I'm like, you know, to be honest with you, I'd rather be crazy and protect an eight-year-old who can hear about how loving Jesus is than spend every week standing in a room tucking in my shirt pretending like I got it together. There's a guy in Scripture, and this is what I'm going to convince you of, and then we're going to sing and finish up. There's a guy in Scripture, it's Peter. Um, the guy that Jesus said he'd build his church on, Peter was stupid. Like he made some horrible decisions, said some horrible things. In fact, there's a moment as Jesus is about to die on the cross that Peter cusses, curses at some different people. Like, I mean, it's a, it's a, pretty, a pretty big screw up captured in, in the Bible. But Peter's in this moment on, um, on, on a boat and he's sitting there on the edge and it's like, it's rocky and it's scary. And the 12 of them, they might be playing cards or something. They weren't gambling for sure. Um, and so the, they were playing cards and, that the waves are rocking real bad and they're freaking out. And they look out in the, the, in, in the water and they see what they believe is a ghost. And they're like, holy ghost, you know, um, out there. And they see the ghost and they're nervous. And then finally Peter's like, no, that's not a ghost. I recognize that beard anywhere, you know, the kind of deal. And, 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 and Peter says, there's Jesus, right? He says, Jesus, 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 is, is that, if that's you, come on, let me do that with you. Like, you're like doing jumping jacks on water. Like, Jesus, like, call me to you, right? And so Jesus says, come on, and Peter, 
he steps under the water, right? Like, he starts walking towards Jesus. And you know what happens. He starts to sink. And, you know, someone says, if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you're walking water. But if not, you're going to drown. Water's going to fill your lungs and you'll die. You know, like that kind of part of it. And it may focus on the fact that eventually he falls. And, and Jesus grabs him and says this. He says, Peter, where, where is your faith? In other words, not that you don't have faith, but you, you misplaced it in something. But that's not the part that really intrigues me. The part that intrigues me is a man got to walk on water. I put some seeds in the ground and I get to raise some chickens. That's pretty fancy, right? I mean, I, but a man got to walk on water. I got to, like, literally got to walk on water. Not some fancy trick illusion. A man walked on water. It was scary and the waves, waves were rough and it was messy. But a man got to walk on water. And so the invitation isn't pray a prayer and ask Jesus in your heart. The prayer, the, the invitation is this, follow Jesus and walk on water, right? Like, don't just pray and say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins, cleanse me of all unrighteousness so that I can spend eternity with you. No, it's the invitation. Jesus didn't say, hey, come to me in prayer, prayer. He says, follow me and I will make you a fisher of me and I will take what you're good at and we'll use it for the kingdom. And so the invitation is follow him. Yes, it's scary. Yeah, the ho- oceans are scary. Yes, it's rocking, but follow me. And he says this, and I'll make you. This isn't a pray a prayer. This isn't gonna, hey, dear God, tell me whether or not I should do something about slavery, or tell me if I should do something about my neighbor who abuses her kid, or tell me if I should do something about orphans. Tell me if I should do something about caring for people who can't care for themselves. Tell me if I should do something about poverty. The question isn't should I? The question is, how do you? Right? You're not, I'll go ahead and answer the first part. You're supposed to. So the question is. Where do you sign up, right? So I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you that as we work through the details, we're going to fight for people who can't fight for themselves. And this is the most unresolved message in the world because I don't even have a list for you to sign up for. All I know is that we have to chase after and fight for people. And Stephen fought for something that was worth living for. And that's what actually is available to you. Peter walked on water because even in the middle of the scariness and the, and the uncertainty of the deal, he thought, man, there's just, if Jesus is out there, that's just where I want to be. I tell you, I can't imagine a place that Jesus would want to be more than the middle of a broken home with a kid being abused, protecting him in the middle of that deal. And to be honest with you, that's where Jesus is. That's just where I want to be. can imagine a place that Jesus would want to be more than the side of a ditch with a guy who's drank too much and is broken and wants to take his life. I just think that's where Jesus would be. So that's where I'd want to be. I can't imagine a place where hundreds of kids are in orphanages all over the world and no moms, no dads, and they're kicked out at the age of 12. So there's just not room for them, right? I just can't imagine that's where Jesus would be. So scary as it is, that's where I want to be, right? Like, Jesus is, meets people where they are. If you're, if you're broken, if you're messy, that's where Jesus is. And if that's where Jesus is, it just makes sense. That's where we'd be too. So the prayer for you is that you just have boldness to go where Jesus is. If it's out in the middle of water and you're scared to death of drowning, keep looking at him. He'll sustain you. That's the invitation. Go be where Jesus is. <laughs> it's like, 
You think it's a building with a steeple. Oh, bless your hearts. Really? Like you spend all your time following these laws and you just hang out in this building. God can't be contained in a building. Hey guys, go be where he is. Glad you're here. But this is, this is the easy part. Go be where Jesus is. They're going to introduce a song to you in a, in a second. I'm sure they'll invite you to sing, but just for a second, I just want you to beg the Lord to give you that boldness. Just go be where he is. They'll lead you. These guys will lead you. And it's so ironic in the song. And I'll just, I'll just pray. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to let Jesus do the rest of it. Jesus, man, I really don't know the journey of it all. I don't, like, I don't even know how we get from here to where you want us to be. Just like I don't know how, I'm sure Peter had no idea he was about to walk on water. But Jesus, what I do know is I know you're bigger than prostitution. I know you're bigger than slavery. And I know you're more loving and gracious than we could ever imagine. And God, I know it breaks your heart see your folks hurting and Jesus you've left us here you've put us here with your spirit God you didn't just zap us up on the heaven when we decided to follow you left us here so we can go fight for those who can't fight for themselves so we care for the least of these and Jesus I don't even know how we do it but I'm begging that you reveal that so Jesus I pray that you give us eyes to see injustice this week and God that you give us boldness to do something about it so God, would you open our eyes this week? God, would it just would it be evident of ways that we can love the least of these this week? And God, for folks in this room who are hurting and in pain, God, would you allow us to walk through it with them? Would you allow us to, to help them see that nothing in their story is wasted because you work everything together for your good? And so God, we give you these moments. And I have no idea what you want to do with them. God, be honest with you, I don't know what you want to do in my own heart. I just want to be where you are. So we show us where you are so we can be where you are. And I pray these things in your name, Jesus.